After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right, welcome back to another episode of the 90th percentile podcast here on Baseball America. It's your host, Jeff Ponce. Of course, alongside me, as always, is Matt Pajak. Matt, this is try number two. We had some technical difficulties during the first recording of this podcast. We're going to discuss some players today. Uh, that tie into some of the themes we covered, some of the things we've we've talked about previously. So I think in the end, it's probably just some of your our favorite players on each team uh, that participate in the wild card round. Before we do that, we don't have a guest this week. We had Brian Sikowski last week talking about the exposure funnel. Go back and listen to that one if you have not. It's a good one. We don't have anybody on a hot sheet a hot seat this week. We don't have a hot sheet either, but we don't have anybody on the hot seat to talk about sandwiches with. So I'm going to talk to you. Any good sandwiches this week? Anything that that caught your fancy, you know, tickled your taste buds? Why, yes, Jeff. Uh, if you constitute a bow bun as a sandwich, which it, it really is, it is. It's, a, I mean, a bun, right? It's a bun. It's a bun. Anyway, bow bun. Uh, linger. In the low high neighborhood of Denver, if you're ever in Denver, it's just west of downtown, trendy little spot. Former mortuary turned into a trendy global street food type joint, rooftop bar. They got the old fancy sign on the top, the whole thing. Anyway, I would say it's like a 70 grade bow bun. Like I don't, I'm not sure if you said, hey, Jeff, we need to get a bow bun anywhere in the world right now. Where would you go? I would probably go there. Uh, they had a Korean fried chicken bao bun. They had a, it was like a slow roasted duck situation. Um, delicious. Fantastic. 70 grade bao bun. Uh, very excited about that. It's nice to put the spotlight on a different sandwich other than that group out of Delaware that we're not going to mention this episode. We're actually not going to mention them. I'm not even going to say it, Jeff. I'm not even going to say it. You can say it if you want, but that we... We are getting no attention from that spicy little group out of Delaware. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Capriati's. I'm not going to touch. See, you did it. I knew you were going to do it. I, was gonna I, just, I can't help myself. I was like holding back from responding because I was like, he's just going to yell Capriati's at one point. He did it. Um, that being said, yeah, uh, that sounds pretty good. I got to uh, I got to agree there, man. In on the uh, in on the bow bun for sure. Um Especially the Korean fried chicken. That sounds uh, that sounds delicious. 
Oh, it was Immaculate Eats. That's yeah. what it was. And I'm into Duck. I like Duck, too. So there you go. I uh, I did not go out this week. I ended up making my own uh, delicious sandwich. And uh, that was uh, an Italian spicy beef made in the crock pot over about six, seven hours. Slapped a couple steaks in there, a little pepperoni, some jalapenos, some beef stock, some special ingredients I'm not going to share. Uh, and, you know, slow cooked it for a bunch of hours, breaks down all the meat juice it's very good i got your onions in there you got your pepperoncinis all broken up and uh it's got some kick it's got some savoriness to it slap it onto a freshly uh baked sub roll make sure you get a little bit of sauce on there too you know you got to put the sauce base on it first then you got to stuff them in the sandwich um, you're making me hungry jeff yeah my oldest son likes them so made a whole pot of that and uh, those got crushed it was good stuff man for sure so yeah you know those things where you like match things together sure. so like for example duolingo which is like a you're learning a new language app and they do this thing where it's like here's the word in english and here's the word in the language that you're trying to learn and it'd be like all right trees on this side our bowl you know what it is and you, you mix and match them if we're matching people to a sandwich jeff matches with italian beef why is this i don't know it just fits when I look at you, I just see an Italian beef. All right, you know, I feel like it's uh, it's it's kind of like a it's a it's a classy, it's classier than a cheesesteak, right? Uh, it's a hearty, cold weather sandwich. Fair, fair. And you know? Jeff, you've got that that hearty, cold weather New England. It's it's Chicago. You got that hearty, cold weather. You got the beard. Fair. You got that look about you. You got you got a look about you like fall. You know what I'm saying? I look like fall. I look you look like fall. <laughs> this is this is my this is my prime time. <laughs> yeah. Baseball's on television. Jeff know, is in season fall. right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is this is peak Jeff season. All right. Yeah. Um, for any, <laughs> yeah, for anybody listening, we don't really have a title for this episode, so we're gonna go with what Jeff sent me this morning. Drake is lazy, and he just keeps t- titling his songs uh sometime during the day in whatever city happens to be in right so he releases 8 a.m in charlotte jeff sends it over uh i will give drake credit there was one line in there that i thought was kind of funny about uh flying in and out of houston hobby so many times you can call him a hobbyist so props to drake on that one this episode because there isn't really like a particular focus and yeah we're talking about wild card baseball players uh we're just going to go ahead and call this one uh, 1 p.m. in Denver because it's almost 1 p.m. in Denver. So 90th percentile, 1 p.m. in Denver, uh, Matt Pajak, Jeff Ponce. This is exciting. You got, we, we're, li- we're live with the Italian beef right now. That's right. Um, but the, uh, the real gem of that song is the fact that it's a, it's a conductor Williams beat, which uh, is famous for his work with uh, West Side Gun. If, uh, you're into the Griselda set. They actually, uh, he's got a new album coming out, I believe, in the next couple of days. So uh, maybe some more Conductor Williams beats to uh, enjoy. Uh, good production. Good production. Is, but, yeah, Jeff, is it the guns or the butter? That's the um, real question. I think it's I think it's the butter. Um, yeah. I <laughs> well, all right, uh, Jeff. We're, we're going to run this little exercise here where, I mean, we're just, we're fans of the sport. 
at the very heart of who we are. We're fans of the sport. So we're not going to take anybody's day away from them by, by going on and on and on. But we are going to talk about a few guys that are of interest to us. One guy per team. Now that the wild card round has closed out uh, and just, you know, show some appreciation, sprinkle some of our concepts over the player. You can weigh on it because you've seen some of these guys. Uh, yeah, I can weigh on it from just my, my general appreciate. I'm, I, Jeff, my personal, uh, I don't know if it's like bias or leaning or whatever it is when it comes to baseball players that I like athletes. I like, I like athletic players right now. They're all athletes. I understand, but like some of these guys can do some things that other guys can't do. And that's not to say that the other guys aren't good baseball players or might not be better baseball players than them, but I do enjoy a good athlete. So just kind of kicking this one off straight off the jump. Uh, the most exciting player in baseball right now. I don't know. Maybe that's, a little bit extreme, but Corbin Carroll uh, on the Arizona Diamondbacks is must-watch TV right now. Yeah, I think uh, I think Carroll is hands down probably the most exciting player to watch. Uh, it, it, every at bat, every swing, um, once he gets on bases, if he's actually able to get a ball in the gap and run the bases, or if he's on first and you can see him go first to third. Um, it's just lightning quick. Uh, the athleticism, the explosiveness. Um, and I still find myself from time to time not thinking about the Roman Empire. I, I actually, my Roman Empire, um, Matt, is Corbin Carroll's power. And and it's real and it's spectacular. But at the same time, it's like, how does this guy hit the ball this hard? Like this guy, how does he have that much power? You know? Um, and I've been a long time, like truther on Carol's power, uh, made some bets in the off season that, you know, he was going to hit for legitimate power numbers as a rookie. And I think it will continue. So that's my Roman empire. I'll just be, be like 11 o'clock at night on a Tuesday and I'll be watching, you know, uh, a show with the wife. It might be, you know, welcome to Wrexham. What wonderful, wonderful program. And I might just start like days and out like thinking about Corbin Carroll's at like power like how how is this possible you know so there you go I, I think it just comes with the territory being a freaky athlete I mean he's 5'10 170 pounds soaking wet and that ball he hit in game one of the wild card series in Milwaukee might still be going and by the way that's probably the closest thing you'll see to Corbin Carroll pimping a home run I mean when he hit it he kind of like took two or three steps and like looked away from the pitcher and it was kind of like a little bit of a strut, a little bit of a strut. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, yeah. Oh, I'm pimping this thing on you, but it's the closest that he knew he got absolutely all of that. And I could not believe where that pointed. Um, yeah. It, I mean, he's look, Jeff, he's an athlete. That's why he does a lot of the things that he does base running defense. Sure. Uh, he plays hard. He's, he's the best combination of like outlier athleticism and like attention to detail and works his butt off in the whole, like yeah. he's going to be really good for a long time. You saw that yesterday. I forget what the situation was specifically, but um, I think there might've been runners on and ball dropped and let a ball drop in front of him, like for a single, as opposed to diving for it. Um, 
And it's funny because it was like one of those situations that if like Carroll dives to that ball and it gets by him, it's probably multiple runs, you know, and just yep. having like the situational awareness and, and the awareness of the moment to be like, all right, this is the time to play it safe. Like no doubles type stuff, you know? Uh, but then also yeah, as a base runner, yeah, as a base I'll, runner, you see Carroll in right field heading towards right. that ball and you're like, I got to wait. Sure. Exactly. There's a chance he's going to get this. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Too. And you know, nobody scored on that play. No, no, but I think it was just, it was smart. Like I said, like I was going to say, like, even if you're like a little league coach, like keeping the ball in front of you, right? Playing deep, play, keeping the ball in front of you and then throwing the bases and just, you know, blocking and tapping like basic fundamental stuff. But things that I think guys try to play hero ball. And especially when we're talking about major leaguers and guys that have these outlier abilities. So anything else you wanted to add on Carol um, <clears throat> before we talk about another diminutive outfielder that was in uh, the wild card series who has not equal outlier skills, but also has impressive outlier skills. I mean, I'm not making any predictions here on Corbin Carroll, but he's, this is a guy who's already played more playoff games than Mike Trout. Fact check me. I don't think that's true, but it's close. If it's, if it's not true, it's very close. Uh, and, and he might surpass that here in this next in series against the Dodgers. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm again, I'm not a crystal ball guy by any means, but I think he's going to make an impact uh, opposite Mookie Betts in uh, that Dodgers series. But yeah, to your point, the guy who's playing opposite uh, in the, well, yeah, no, Freilich was playing center field. Sorry. We just uh, spoiled that one for you. Sal Freilich is our, our next highlight. Um, Jeff, Sal Freilich from your neck of the woods. Yeah, in Massachusetts, Eastern Massachusetts, Boston College guy, tiny Italian. Uh, you know, he, he like he's got that hardworking, uh, you know, working class Eastern Massachusetts vibe about on these. No, maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe I mean, he's maybe. I've always thought he's very like militant. It's very like focused. He's like a military minded kind of guy, uh, how he plays the game trains. I think um, his college coach when Gambino was here, I always kind of felt like that was part of the mentality uh, there to a degree. I mean, he's from Lexington. So Lexington's one of the nicest towns in the United States. So you want you, <laughs> Jeff, you really want to go, you want to go down the path of, of baseball being a country club sport right now? Cause we can do it. Let's tie it in. No, let's not do it. I just want to be uh, true. I just Sal want to Freilich, be honest. I take back a lot of what I said about Sal, except for the part where he's a I, tiny Italian Eastern mass, uh, works his butt off. Yeah. He's easy to like, he's got personality. Uh, I like, have you ever, have you watched any of those YouTube series that the, brewers did the rookies yeah. or fr the yeah. freshman whatever it is yes uh and he's dropping references to like uh phineas and ferb you know what i mean and it's like yeah. the, i don't know how do you like this guy he's kind of like a cartoon character himself but uh yeah diminutive outfielder center fielder jeff the thing that i really like about Freilich that i think he's going to be a fan favorite for a long time because he plays the game really hard uh he hits he defends um, and yeah, he's a great personality. So anyway, Sal, easy one to root for there. Um, and a little bit bummed that he is now out of the postseason, but he's going to be one to watch and one that, uh, Milwaukee will like for a long time. Uh, yeah, Jeff. Also, 
Also got an update from our stats desk. Uh, thank you, interns in the stats department. Uh, Mike Trout has three career playoff games. So Corbin Carroll really only needs to play game two of this series. If he plays on Sunday, I believe, which I believe is game two. If it's Monday, then my apologies. The stats it is Monday. Give me that. Okay. Well, then on Monday, he could potentially surpass Mike Trout's total postseason experience. More, That's more, very likely should. Yes. So wow. Uh, anything else you got on South Fralick before we go to the Rays and um, or no, sure. it's Blue Jays Twins next. Sure. I think there's a, a little bit to talk about here. Uh, multi-sport guy uh, was a standout in a variety of sports here in high school. Um, don't quote me on this specifically. But I believe he was all globe quarterback at Lexington was like a running gun mobile quarterback. Doug Flutie. Uh, uh, was yeah, I think a little bit like that, and um, was also an, an excellent hockey player. Uh, I believe he was an all state hockey player as well. In fact, I've had people tell me that his his second best sport was hockey. Um, so kind of an interesting one. Uh, really like multi dimensional sports background there. You know, uh, as a guy who's a superior athlete, runner, um, very quick twitch, right? Um, to also you know be a hockey player, kind of different muscles, bigger muscles you're working there. Uh, consistently, you know, more of a sp short sprint sport where you're kind of coming out for one minute, you know, minute and 10, we'll say drill, uh, excuse me, lines at a time. And you're kind of coming off the ice. Um, I'm sure a guy like that was probably logging a lot of minutes, um, you know, being as talented as he was probably, probably playing on the penalty kill, probably playing on the number one power play unit. Um, so, you know, I mean, like it's almost uh, to a degree, there's some aerobic, uh, elements to that that's probably in line with like soccer or basketball um, when you're playing that much. And like I said, it's a, it's a higher intensity sport. So it's almost like if you had two running gun teams in basketball and, you know, shots are getting put up every 10 seconds or something along those lines. Just sort of, and obviously it's a physical game too. So um, I think he's a really interesting athlete, really interesting player. The background is interesting. I've always felt as if, he wanted to take a step forward power wise. I've always thought it was there. I don't think he's ever going to hit for Carroll type of power. Um, but I think 15 to 16 home runs uh, in peak seasons wouldn't be out of the question. Um, almost like a souped up uh, Andrew Benintendi, right? Similar power numbers, better contact, probably better approach and um, certainly more speed. So uh Kind of an interesting player there, and I'm I'm obviously going to be intently following uh, his career going forward because I got to see him a lot here at Boston College over a few years, and one of the few players that I had the ability to watch during 2020 because he was here in the Futures League. So I kind of chased around that team and tried to see Frelick as much as I possibly could. Um, Look, Jeff, in a in a world where you know you got a bunch of old heads on Twitter calling him out right now, uh, bashing the new age baseball player because they're hyper-focused on the velocities and this, that, and whatever. Sal Fralick is a throwback player. Put him right in that category with like Brendan Donovan. Um, Matt McClain, I think, fits that too, where it's like these guys are just dirt dogs, right? And I think that's what makes Sal really likable, and I think he's going to, again, be a fan, fan favorite for a long time. I think fans have like this unconscious way of like putting their finger on who the dirt dog is and like that becomes the fan favorite. Um, yeah. 
yeah, I almost agree with the old heads to an extent that like there aren't enough of those players out there, but he plays balls to the wall. I hope he stays healthy because I know that there were a couple instances early on in his debut this year where he dove for some balls. He banged himself up. Um, yeah. But he is you as a fan. If you're paying for a ticket, you're not going to get cheated watching Sal Freilich. Yeah, he's got some injury history uh, dating back to his freshman year at Boston College as well. Um, yeah, staying on the field has been a bit of an issue. But uh, what do you say we move on to another team here, uh, another series? Let's talk about uh, the uh, Blue Jays and the Twin series. Um, uh, decisive victory for the Twins uh, as they swept like everybody else in this first round. Which somebody would have won a game, so we could have had some games on Thursday. But that's not the reality. Um, Kevin Kiermaier is a guy that you called out. Um, Blue Jays generally are kind of a less athletic team. <laughs> I don't think I'm going on any sort of a stretch here. Actually, I, I would argue their their best athlete is probably their closer, uh, and a lot of the best athletes in their system tend to be. Uh, pitchers cam eden's a pretty decent athlete of course and like espinal some of those guys but um you called out kiermaier just as one of the great defensive center fielders of all time and he had a good season for for the blue jays this year yeah i've always been a huge fan of the outlaw i think you go back to uh when he was drafted like he was drafted out of a juco in indiana um then like the 30th round around that doesn't even exist anymore so i think that's part of the reason why i like calling him out one defensively i think if anybody if there's any kid out there who's you know enjoys playing center field or wants to be you know a center at a higher level like go study kevin kiermaier because i i don't think that there's i mean you can make an argument that there isn't someone who's ever done it better than he has out in center field right now there's there's guys with bigger names there's guys that are in the hall of fame this that whatever but i mean platinum glove award winner and just again for someone who's drafted in the 30th round to establish himself in that way in the big leagues for such a long period of time. Um, you know, and, he, and he's still enough, you know, to, to justify playing center field every day in the big leagues too. So uh, Kevin Kiermaier, I just think is a really underappreciated player. I don't think we talk about defensive baseball enough and uh, that's, that's the epitome of defensive baseball right there. So yeah, that's uh Kevin Kiermeyer for you, Jeff, the outlaw. Here we go. Uh, Defensive yeah. baseball and dirt dogs. We got uh, we got old school Matty Pajak on the uh, on the podcast today. I say it's like athletes that play hard. That's what we're looking for. I agree. Uh, I can't disagree there. Yeah, I mean Kiermeyer has obviously always been um, one of the most spectacular you know defensive outfielders to watch over the last couple of years. Um, and you know, he's an AL East guy, so feel like uh, he's gotten a lot of prime time uh games over the years, too. So it's been easy to watch him. Um, one guy I'm going to call out here who's not a premium athlete, but a uh, guy that was sort of off a beaten path was uh, David Schneider. Didn't get into this series at all, um, but did hit eight home runs over his first 30 games. Um, I'm a big fan, I've been a big fan of the profile for a while. Um, didn't have a lot of believers, just in front offices, scouting community um, was kind of a no name, even after a really good year last year across a few levels, um, went into the off season, um, you know, hit the weights, added some power, added some strength. Uh, 
and a lot of the good traits that he had in terms of good swing decisions, you know, low chase rate, but not passive, passive, um, you know, average contact that was all you need. And then really upped, you know, the ante on the power and went from sort of fringe average raw to potentially, you know, above average, maybe even plus, and always had really good batted ball angles. He's not a great defender. He's not a great athlete. Um, was a later round pick out of high school in New Jersey a bunch of years ago, kind of a forgotten prospect that kind of, you know, recaptured his, uh, recaptured his prospect status and, and, you know, obviously impressed over a short period of time here. Um, I uh, definitely want to say that he is, uh, I, I think this is overused when, when guys like that have my job or that write and blog about prospects, like say that these are my guys, but like Schneider is, is, is absolutely like one of my guys like he's somebody that like i've argued with people you know that do this for a living with teams and be like this guy is better than we think he is and i think i felt he was underranked in my own rankings because based on my reporting i couldn't get anybody go on go on record or off the record to kind of agree with me this is like this guy's better than player a b c and d all the relievers that were on the back end of that top 10 um and i always i always wonder kind of talking back to last week's podcast i wonder if that's like my friction with the exposure funnel that it still exists to a degree you know coming out of the draft and the pedigree and how quickly somebody moves that sometimes guys like this are are at odds with the narrative that we want for big leaguers and and players who are are good and sustainable long term so yeah uh, i mean uh, i saw him play about a month ago uh, they came out to Colorado and I was sitting there and his name showed up on the, on the board and it, with his picture. And I was like, who is this guy? Right. I had never heard of Davis Schneider and um, family that I was with was like, Oh, he looks like a fourth grade science teacher. Um, and I thought he kind of looked like a butcher, you know? And then he, I looked at his numbers and I'm like, this dude's on a burner right now. And then he hit one out of course. So, um, yeah, he definitely doesn't fit the the prototypical profile of uh, what you're looking for in a big leaguer, just in terms of looking the part, I guess. Uh, but that guy can really hit. So, yeah, yeah, Jeff, you love the butcher. I do, uh, and I like profiles like this too that have a balance of skills and above average power with decent angles. I think, I think those are sometimes the the profiles that are a little bit slept on. We have first baseman and, you know, extreme bat only profiles that are top 100 or top 100 adjacent guys that probably weren't any better than this guy was uh, coming up over the last two years. And um, every year we see a guy like this break out from AAA. And I think it's, I think it's Schneider. I just hope to God that uh, he gets an opportunity in Toronto or somewhere next year. Uh, Cause I think he's, you know, at a point where he deserves every day at bats and, See what happens, you know. Um, Ryan Noda was a guy like this for me last year that kind of checked a bunch of different boxes, and I felt uh, provided enough. Now, Noda notably is a uh, 70 first baseman defensively that can also play uh, a decent outfield corner who actually has a plus throwing arm. So uh, there are some there are some differences there, uh, you know. Right. You know, I do think um, the bat to ball skills are are better on Schneider. Um, though he has less raw power, I think you might be able to get to it a little bit more. So um, kind of an interesting player. We'll go from there. Speaking of guys that have raw power that get to it, Matt Walner, 
this guy is kind of a balance of um, base ability, power. He's the three true outcome kind of guy, but he does have a pretty stellar athletic profile, if I remember, and a huge arm. If he was a two way guy, correct in college, it's been yeah, two way guy in college. He had a, a hammer of a breaking pitch too. Uh, Southern Miss, just a behemoth of a human being, six four, two twenty. And yet, the, <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. Do you see the ball he hit? couple weeks it might have been last week or the week before uh i think it was a grand slam and it's just uh, where that ball landed there are very few human beings who can hit a ball that far uh given any circumstances matt walner uh will be playing in this next round so make sure if the twins are on your television that you're looking for again it's not hard to find the 6'4 220 pound matt walner stepping into the box from the left-handed side um, yeah, he's another player in a very stellar rookie class across the league with some tantalizing tools. I think if you go look at his stat cast, uh, we've got him uh, in the hundredth percentile for arm strength. <laughs> so uh, that's is that good? Uh, probably. His barrel percentage is in the hundredth percentile. Uh, his average exit velocity is up there north of the 90th percentile uh 90th percentile shout out to the pod um and he's an above average runner too so you know you're talking about a really good athlete at 6'4 220 pounds and a guy that's probably going to be around the league for a while um uh, but not you know not in the corbin carroll mode uh mold by any means or kevin kiermeyer or anything like that but a different translation of that athleticism uh needless to stay if you look under the hood on matt walner there's a hemi a big one there you go yeah. love that line um yeah i agree with everything you said um i don't think there's anything else that i can really even add on Walner. yeah then let's talk about evan carter because we're going to be seeing more evan carter as well you know what we'll talk about evan carter but for once we're going to take a break we'll be right back and we're back, and it's time to talk about some Evan Carter. Um, Matt, I'm gonna let you have the floor, man. Yeah, cool. this is this ties really well into the exposure funnel conversation from last week with Brian Sikowski. If you did not listen, uh, make sure you go give that one a listen so that you're caught up to speed on what the heck we're talking about. But, uh, exposure funnel, Evan Carter, what, what round was he taken back in 2020, Jeff? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this question. I believe it was. I think he was a second rounder. Second or third? I think he was, was, was round two because I think Foskey was. was round one. It was round two. He was the fifth round two. Ball ball. Yeah. And I just remember when he was selected, uh, all of the TV coverage, MLB Network, they had no idea who Evan Carter was. They're like, we've got nothing here. Um, and then the industry proceeded to grill the Rangers for that pick. Uh, because no one knew who Evan Carter was. But if you go back and you look at his showcase summer, he was not at East Coast Pro. He was not at Area Codes. He was not at USA Baseball, PDP League, or 18U Trials. He was not uh, at any of the All-American games. So pretty much the only place that you would have seen him was at the travel ball team events that summer and the rangers shout out to them for willing to stand alone as maybe the only evaluators uh 
to believe in Evan Carter as a second rounder. Mm. Uh, yeah, they plucked him from obscurity, just like a little puppy at a shelter. And uh, now, Jeff, I'm going to turn this one over to you. Talk to me about that dude's approach and what he can do in the batter's box because it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think um, he's one of these players that's sort of fascinating um, from the sense that there was always power there. And I think we've all been sort of like, oh, it's coming. 6-4, you know, there's more strength there. Um, and the power did tick up this year a little bit. Um, though the numbers year over year weren't uh, tremendous. Um, I think if you just look at how he was hitting the ball. Um, the EVs went up a little bit. It was something I noticed early on is that the EVs were going up. Um, and then he got to the major leagues and, you know, he's a 339 ISO. Granted, it's over 75 plate appearances, but um, that dwarfs his isolated slugging uh, for any sizable sample over the last two to three years for Carter. Um, you know, this is a guy that was renowned for his approach, particularly his ability to walk and get on base. Strikeouts have always been low. Um, not somebody that sells out for contact in any way, shape, or form. Um, also, obviously, you know, center field has some defensive value. You can uh, play center. You can play all three outfield positions. Carter certainly can. Uh, but I think some people doubted the impact right before he came up. And, you know, what we've seen is uh, – just been uh, incredibly impressive. What has he had between the playoffs and um, the last 23 games or so of the regular season, six home runs, um, which is almost, you know, half of his total over 97 games in double a, which is Frisco, which is on, you know, the Texas league and a great place to hit and a great place to hit for power. Um, so that was a little un unexpected, but, you know, I think sometimes with these guys, they're working on things you don't know about, especially some of the top, top prospects. And they kind of take the training wheels off and just see them go. The other part of it, too, is and I don't think this can be understated um, as we're getting very old school with this podcast today. Uh, he came up when they really needed him during pivotal games, during a playoff chase, and then showed up big time in you know, uh, the first playoff series that he's ever been in. Um, he also only needs two more games to pass Mike Trout uh, for uh, total playoff uh, experience. So, yeah, really, really exciting player. And I think we can't underrate the fact that he came up at a point where his team really needed him and he came through in the clutch and had played some of his best baseball as a professional. Uh, kudos to Evan Carter for that. Yeah, this episode is brought to you by Mike Trout catching strays. Uh, he's been catching strays left and right. These are directed at Artie Moreno, man. You know, we're just trying to get you free. Yeah, yeah, just free trout, free the fish. Uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead and flip it to the other side. And I know that the Rays, after another really good year, are home on their couch. Uh, so you'll have to wait until next year. Everyone knows about Tyler Glasnow. 6'8", 225 pounds. Uh, throws really hard, hammer curveball, deception, the whole nine. A lot of fun to watch. Looks just like Killian Murphy, uh, except probably has about a foot and a half on that guy, height-wise, at least. He'd eat um, Killian Murphy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
uh, the the one thing that stood out to me during the broadcast when he was pitching the other day, so he talked about how at 6'8", 225 pounds, he could do a backflip. All right, so this is just a PSA more than anything else. Love Tyler Glass now uh, that if you're a pitcher, you're an athlete too, and it helps Sonny Gray uh, not to, you know, throw another twin in here, but we're going to throw another twin in here for a second. Like Sonny Gray pull off, you know, the, the back pick at second base on Vlad Guerrero. Uh, they talked about how athletic Sonny Gray was the entire time. Like pay attention. If you're watching the game, pitchers need to be athletes too. And the best ones out there doing it when it matters most are athletes. So uh, yeah, that's just you know, me out here pushing my agenda. Yeah. And we saw a guy like Kikuchi, who, uh, like a lot of these Japanese pitchers, is a fairly good athlete himself. And a guy that added velocity once he came over to the United States over a couple of years by putting in the work. So a couple of interesting names there. Let's round this out, though. We've got two names, uh, two of the flashier players that you'll see out there. Um, and actually, the first one, Johan Rojas, one of the smoother players you'll see. I've seen a lot of Rojas over the last few years uh, as he's come up. Uh, saw him in Clearwater, saw him in, in, in Jer- uh, Jersey Shore. And then I've seen him in Reading. Saw him in Reading for a full series, got five or six games. I mean, I saw a lot of good center, defensive center fielders, frankly, this year. And Rojas, far and away, was the most impressive defensive center fielder that I saw. Um, it's just, it's effortless. Yeah, Johan Rojas, uh, really, really, really strong defensive center fielder, big-time athlete, can really run, uh, can really throw too. Um, yeah. Because he's not all that big either. He's a little bit diminutive. Um, probably 5'10", yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably like 5'10", right? But like that guy is going to play center field for the Philadelphia Phillies for as long as he'll have them. Um, because – on top of being an outstanding defensive center fielder, he's got some field to hit. And at 23 years old, he looks right at home in the big leagues in Philly, which you can make an argument. That fan base is probably the toughest fan base to play in front of in all of baseball. I mean, it's up there with the New York markets, but like, you know, the, what I mean, they booed Trey Turner earlier this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, um, but yeah, that's the thing that impresses me so much about him and, and kind of going back to this theme of like, hey, like ball players, like this dude's a really good athlete. This dude's a really good ball player. You know what I mean? And like it for me, watching him play, you could see, you know, the guy getting just as excited and just as amped up to go play in front of 10, 10 people on a backfield as he does, you know, under the lights in Philadelphia when everyone's, you know, hammered and, and chanting his name. So, um, Rojas, yeah, love that player. 23, really young, going to be around the game for a long time. You know the Phillies are always competitive. Know the name, watch the player, uh, and expect him to make an impact in this sure. next series against the Atlanta Braves. Um, yeah, yeah and, I, and I'm just going to say this too. I think if you watch him, type of athlete he is, uh, this is one of those other things I think about. It's like, this guy is born in Alabama or Ohio or Pennsylvania or Georgia. This dude is like Tutu Atwell or something, right? Like, you know, he's like a five, nine, like just spark plug. It just f- would be flying all over the field, you know, uh, 
and just, you know, able to, to pick up those big yak yards because he's so quick. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, kind of athlete that he is. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I saw Victor Scott the second this year. I saw PCA this year. Um, you know, I saw a lot of the good center field prospects, especially the guys that are standout defenders. And like I said, Rojas is head and shoulders above. Um, take us home. We got one more player we're going to talk about here. One of the flashiest, most fun players again uh, in all of baseball. Unfortunately, his season is over now. I actually watched a interview with him from Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is an as a, a as a, a talk show. I didn't realize this. With the Jazz was uh, was on, and they were talking about his six name first name. It's, it's very long. I'm not even gonna try. Look, I I think that out of this list of players that we've mentioned, uh, the swaggiest player that we've mentioned up to this point is Johan Rojas, that who was on the other side of the ball, uh, the other dugout, if you will, for the wild card series. I think Jazz Chisholm's got him beat hand over fist in the swag department and probably has everybody in the league beat hand over fist. I mean, there just isn't a player with more flash and flair than Jazzy Jazz. All right. Um, Former shortstop, now center fielder. Just needs to stay healthy, Jeff, because he is exactly like Miami's got all the pitching in the world. He's exactly what they need in the middle of their lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, hits for power. He can run. Um, any any place center field. I mean, I think that's kind of a common ground for a lot of these players. But yeah, he's still young. Jeff, how old is Jazz? Twenty five. Is he even that old? I wanted to say. I wanted to say he was twenty four. I think he might have just turned twenty five. Um, okay. Twenty four, twenty five, whatever it is. Uh, do you think that there's? You're going to see more of Miami in the next couple of years because they've got so many good young arms. Uh, they just need to add another batter to in the fold, and I think Jazz is the heartbeat of that team moving forward. Uh, it's definitely the face. Yeah, um, he's definitely the face for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. You know, uh, I think he needs to take a, a big step forward next year, and they got to have some of these uh, these other players they've drafted in recent years sort of start to to show up, but uh, they've made some good moves and, you know, kudos to them and, and um, Merlin's fans for, uh, you know, a playoff season this year for sure. Yeah. And he you is- want to talk about an outlier. I mean, there, there aren't too many players in the league that uh, come rolling in from the Bahamas and make that kind of impact at the big league level. So uh, that's also a really neat, I guess, component of jazz Chisholm is that he's from the Bahamas. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, Huge component of it, and I think that he's uh, continued to inspire a uh, a developing baseball country that we've seen a lot of good young talent come out of, and I think we'll continue to see so. So um, that's one of the big bright spots in the international stage is the Bahamas. So, yeah, awesome stuff. Well, Matt, let's wrap this up. We've gone a little bit over 40 minutes. We've talked about our favorite players from the wild card series now that it's completed. I don't know, man. Maybe next week we'll talk about for some of our favorite players from some of these other teams that we have not covered yet. What do you say? What do you say? Yeah, we'll talk about Corbin Carroll again, and then we'll talk about the the Dodgers and Braves and the Orioles. Oh, that'll be fun. Very, very fun, fun players on the Orioles. Absolutely. All right, man. For Jeff, for Matt, it's been the 90th percentile. Thanks for tuning in.
buy. To your credit card rewards, greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.